And welcome back to another episode, a very special episode this week of the My Love of Golf podcast. It's a special episode because we are here to celebrate a great achievement in the golfing nation that is Australia. And alongside me to celebrate that achievement, yes, we'll talk about that in a second, but I've got the man, he's still on the road. I'm not sure if he's allowed back in Victoria yet, but yeah, it can only be the one. Rocket Rod Heron up there in the Queensland. Uh, I can see you in front of your backdrop. Uh, the John Deere tractor, the multi 16 wheeler tractor up there. You're not too far from 16 wheeler tractor country up there in Bribe Island, just to the uh, west of you. How are you, Rocket? Oh, I'm very good, thank you. I'm in the red zone still, apparently. I'm in the red zone. Okay. Um, that's probably where Bryson is at the moment. He's in the red zone. Is Tim, Tim left him? Well, he, uh, yes, Tim did leave. Uh, Bryson this week and uh, as everyone would know your boy Brooks wasted no time in just <laughs> trotting out the caddy appreciation post uh, he's a comedian Brooks is a comedian um, and well done uh, and we've got now Rocket can I confirm can we confirm this with the listeners that you know we've had a team meeting we've had a management meeting and Magic Mike is to be added to the more permanent roster of uh, the My Love of Golf podcast that's it. You know, we're going to do everything as a team and do it your way, Roscoe. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, one thing that we can do my way, and I'm not sure that Mike's going to, Mike's going to agree to uh, to this, but, um, you know, now that we have our anointing him as a more permanent uh, member of the My Love of Golf, uh, Roscoe Rocket and Magic Mike, it's only appropriate that we sort of start scoping out some theme tune music of his own. Uh, I thought we might uh, run with something like this. I'm Talon, and this is Rumpus, oh. and I'm going to show you how to start an Fail, Ross. Some, some of this. Don't ask me where Magic Mike came from, or don't ask me why I uh, thought I had to play the theme tune of Magic Mike. Uh, there's only one of the three of us laughing here. It's me. Yes, uh, I think I'm funny. I hope you do. Someone, There's got to be someone out there in my love of golf podcast land listening to this having a little chuckle at Magic Mike's theme tune. Um, we will find you something better, Mike, but at the moment, that's appropriate. How are you? I'm very well, mate. That's my, that's my ringtone. So that, that, I hear that a lot. That's a oh. <laughs> are, you, are you serious? No, definitely not. <laughs> oh, you would have you, you would have gone up another level um, already. <laughs> oh, so let's get back. Let's get the most serious golf podcast um, back on track because it is a very serious occasion that we are here to celebrate Australian golf. How many winners did we have around the globe last weekend? Lots, four plus. I believe you're giving us fifth. Yeah, well, I did, and we'll come to that. So there's five winners on the big stages around the globe. Let's. Uh, how do we want to roll with this? Let's. Who are we going? Who's going to get the first cab off the rank? Uh, Rocket. We could go to the Cameron Zone. Well, it's a zone that's been talked about and profligated about uh, for many, many months on this podcast. Back before, well, was it before Cameron Davis was even on the PGA Tour that he was being talked no, about? No, he was. 
No, he was on the tour. He's just, um, you know, he's having a lot of those top 10 finishes or he was contending sort of the midway mark and he'd have just some of those inconsistent rounds. And I think I talked about this almost like this time last year and said the one thing that's stopping him from being consistent or even putting himself in a position to win is, you know, what he does from 150 yards in. And because from tee to green, tee to green he is – He's as good as anyone on tour. He has all the distance, kind of has all the tools. It's just, a, you know, as I talk about, it's the that's almost like that money game. It's like there's no point in it long. From 150 yards in, you're not consistent with your distances and your control and positioning. You put yourself in a position to make as many birdies as you possibly can. And and it actually, it, it stood out, particularly on 18, you know, in regulation, and also then in the playoffs, the two shots that he hit into those two holes were just, it's just pure clutch. Like the, mm. the, I think the nine-iron he hit into 18 in regulation, like what he hit it to like eight feet, and then rolled it in for birdie to at least put himself in a position to force a playoff. And then the shot he hit in the first um, playoff hole was just, was just absolutely just killer mm. again. Yeah. And then that on was the par three, the 15th, which I think they played twice, again, doing the same thing, same club. Yeah. 150 yards, and he's just just hitting, throwing darts, just throwing darts. Yep. He was uh, he was absolutely um, yeah, he's super super impressive off the tee as always. But yeah, his shots in were just exceptional, especially through that playoff. Um, I'm just looking at his stats for the year so far, sitting top 50 in strokes gained off the tee, which is no surprise. Top 25. Strokes gain approach, he's up to 56th. And um, on a one stat that I look at when I'm looking at some of the courses where you really want to concentrate on approach is when they make birdie or better from 150 to 125 yards. And he's up to 40th. So he's really improved, really improved. Yeah, he, was, he, was out, he wasn't even inside the one, top 150 yeah. last year. I think he was like at 167 or something like that. It was just such – it was so glaring. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's the same as Rory. It's like we talk about Rory's problem, it's that 150 yards in. You get if you know, if you work on your 150 yards in, your yep. your play skyrockets. You know, you, absolutely. You go back to DJ and Brooks. The one thing that separated them between being good mid tier players and top echelon players is 150 yards in. Now, what what else do we know about Cameron Davis and his back catalogue of work? You know, we know that he came on to. Right. Australian Open. Australian Open, yeah. 2017. Went, went toe-to-toe with um, with Spieth and Rory, I think, as well, wasn't it? Uh, Day, Jason Day was here that year. Was yeah, it might Kim? have been Spieth and Jason Day because I think it was at, a, at the Australian again. It was, it was. He shot like 64 in the final round and just uh, gunned them down. Yes. So came onto the PGA Tour, didn't do so well, went back onto the Corn Ferry and then Came back onto the PGA through finishing in the top twenty-five in the in the yep. Corn Ferry playoffs. Came yep. back on, and is now where? Where's he sitting in his OWGR now? Like inside the top one hundred or one hundred and twenty? No, he's up. He's up. I think he's up. Off the, I'm going to go off the top of my head because I saw he's the first alternate now based on official world golf ranking for the Open next week. I reckon he might be 67. Oh, he's uh, I'm, I, that's a pure guess, but I, I reckon it was in the 60s when I saw the news this week. Um, but he's literally next man in based on the based on his number. Do we think 67. he do we, 67? There you go. Yeah, so we think well, he gets actually, it. So that win, yeah, that win shot him up and absolutely just 
like 50, 60 places. Do we see, we hope, obviously we hope, um, but do we think he gets in to the Open? You know, what's the what's the read on people dropping out? Uh, I don't know. Don't know. I think uh, at the moment when I, lo- I looked at the field today and obviously the, there's always only one spot left at this time and that's the winner of the John Deere, which he's still in at the moment, whether he's a late withdrawal, not sure. But um, I would think that if people aren't playing, they would have already withdrawn from by now. Mm. Uh, not sure. Be a bit of a tricky one. It's tricky because at the moment when you look at the people that are out, it's the it's people. Uh, you got the two uh, South Koreans that are out because they're concentrating on the Olympics to get themselves out of the military service. Uh, I think Charles Howell's out, and then there's a few people like IBF and things like that that just aren't going to play that have qualified. Well, let's hope he gets in. What what else have we do we know about Cameron Davis, gents? It's a ball um, a long way. <laughs> yeah, very tall, very tall lad. It's a ball a long way. Um, uh, I know the CEO of my the former company I work for had played with him in the uh, Pebble Beach Pro Am, and um, I know his wife and um, Cameron's mother do speak a lot. So Cameron enamoured himself to that family over there. So. He's got, I think, a place to stay when they're on the West Coast. And he's played well on the West Coast. He's probably, whenever he comes around to that sort of section of the year, he's a player that comes up when when you're sort of assessing fields because he seems to have a bit of an affinity with playing well out there. Um, and I know, I know at least half a dozen guys in the States this week that bet him um, anywhere from 160 down to about 80 to 1 to win. Uh, and that was purely because they just – for some reason, absolutely love him. Um, but it was a course that they thought might set up for some longer hitting and they thought he might be a good chance. And yeah, they were very happy. Actually, one guy I know I heard on a podcast today actually bet him at 300 or 500 to one in play because the bookies hadn't changed their price and he just hold out for the Eagle on 17 in the last no. round. So the bookies had him in the bunker and not being able to no, catch yeah. the leaders, had the price right out, betting live. Oh, Someone's... Yeah, because you had Merritt and um, Neiman still had seven. Correct. Correct. Oh, my God. And so they had him at 500. He's hold out for Eagle. He's seen the price not change, put the bet on and taken and, and got the money. So he was very happy. Uh, well, wow. whoever that young fellow was, or boy or girl, um, well done to, to you. Um, very astute watching, very astute uh, batmanship, uh, and good luck. And, of course, uh, if you do punt on golf, punt responsibly. Um, one thing, you know, that just to me stands out when you watch his swing, it's hard to find many better. His left-handed swing or his right-handed well, swing? You can, you, we, we'll, we're getting towards there, but you're right. There's that uh, tweet that Golf Australia and numerous other people have, um, you know, retweeted or shared. Yeah, you know, where he was having a bit of fun, where just hitting left, left-handed, right-handed, left-handed, right-handed, and that there was that uh, story going around that uh, he was told to have after the, maybe the 2017 Open or whenever it was, but he he played well. Someone said take a week off, uh, so he kept playing golf, but he just gave his right-handed swing a rest and played left-handed. It it is phenomenal. Um, left-handed swing, but his right-handed swing, you know, I don't know who it reminds me of. You know, it's a little bit Adam Scott-like. Uh, I don't know, but it's probably up there in the top five that I could put alongside, you know. I couldn't, it's just I couldn't, pure. Yeah. It's just pure, and he hits these just beautiful little baby fades. Just 
beautiful, just bombing baby fades. It's just awesome. Anything else we need to, you know, talk about Cameron before we move on to the next winner? Will, will he win again? Uh, yeah, when? when uh, I think, yes, he, will he win again? Yes. Um, how far will we have to wait till we see Cam Davis win again on the PGA oh, Tour? Oh, look, winning on the PGA Tour is really, really hard. And this might be, look, I, I think it, I actually think he's one of those ones who's just supremely talented and he's put in the work in the last sort of 12 months to get to this point because you can see the trend line. So he's only sort of scratching the surface. So I think, look, I wouldn't be surprised if he wins another one in the next 12, wins again in the next 12 months. Um, I don't think it's going to be like he just all of a sudden goes on this tear and wins a handful. I think he's the possibility of winning another one in the next 12 months is there. Um, The thing that helps as well is now he's going to start to be able to set his schedule. So the win gives him a two-year exemption. He now gets into the Masters, the US Open, the players uh, for next year. Um, I don't think he gets a start in the Open for next year automatically, but they're the other spots that he he gets. So, And then with that, you know, being able to set his schedule a little bit more and not trying to just make sure he secures his card, Um, potentially that sort of helps him sort of relax, maybe elevate his play a little bit more. So if he can get it, push his way up inside that top 150, then then he gets into the WGCs and, and, you know, the no-cut events where it's just, you know, bags of cash and, and, you know, back up your truck full of FedEx points, free FedEx points to be had. So, you know, that, that's um, that's going to be important over the next 12 months. So, of course, once this season sort of ends, sort of October, starting the next season, it's, that's going to be really, really important. So he'll kind of set him be able to reset how he does um, what tournaments he plays in. So there'll be ones that he probably would have played in before because he's trying to just play as many events as possible. And now he'll be able to play in some of these bigger ones for a bit more cash, maybe on some courses that might actually even suit him a bit more, yeah. being a bit harder. Well, you don't come out of nowhere and get onto the PGA Tour, but you know the, the result hasn't really come out of nowhere because he has been posting some decent scores and decent results. Talent picker, Roscoe. Yeah. I'm a talent picker. Yeah, so the only thing I'm, only thing I'm, I'm not a, I'm not good at picking winners though. I, I think even last week you said you know top Aussie and, and you even I think you even tipped me into it. You go, oh Cam Davis, and I went, oh no, I went with Jason Day. I bet, um, I bet Cam Davis to be first round leader. It was literally a mirror of the story that I told last <laughs> week about two years ago. I bet him for round one leader and um, didn't bet him to win, and so I got nothing. But my, I couldn't have gone worse last week because I picked Hideki, who got COVID and had to withdraw. So, um, yeah, and because he played around, no money back. So, oh, well, terms of breaks. Yeah. Uh, speaking of COVID, uh, encourage anyone that can go out and get their vaccinations to get their vaccinations. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I've been vaccinated two times now, uh, I think, as you have, uh, Magic Mike. Yep, all done. As your reception. Good. I've only I haven't dropped out in two weeks, so that must be must be good. Exactly, it must be fully must be. fully fully charged. Connection is like three bars, <laughs> fully charged. Um, okay, so moving on, who would we like to? Well, we talked about the boys, uh, so let's talk about uh, one of the girls, Steph Kiriaku. Who wants to lead off talking about uh, that wonderful win of Steph Kiriaku on the Ladies European Tour? Mike, here I you go. I didn't watch it. 
Oh, neither did I, but, you know, congratulations to Steph Kiriakou uh, on the win on the Ladies European Tour. Mike, have you got any information on uh, that little win there from Steph? No, she, um, I didn't get to see any of it either. I don't know, I don't, not even sure if it was televised. She obviously, yeah, um, it's a Ladies Secondary Tour, so I don't yeah. think the line's on TV. No, but 18 under, uh, three super, super rounds, and not a bad round in 72, but opened with a 66, and uh, weekend of 65, 67 is good going. Um, and it's just good to see. I, I, um, I like the trophy, which is the big green egg, which is the, um, the version of the, uh, what's it, like a, like a little oveny type thing, uh, which is, <laughs> which is a weird looking little trophy, but no, nah, she'd be very happy, which is good. Cause she's a, ta- she's a, certainly a talent and she's, um, yeah, she's going to win some more certainly coming up. And we had another winner. In the uh, the women's uh, golf ranks, in the amateur ranks of young uh, Kirsten Rudgley from WA, who won the Helen Home Scottish Women's Open, played at a fine, fine, fine golf course, home of the 2016 Open Championship, Royal Troon. Well done to you, Kirsten Rudgley. You are now the holder of that fine trophy that. Uh, oh, finally, an Aussie's won there. At Royal Troon? Yes. Um, it's a fine trophy with a, an old putter, like an old sort of Willie Park putter style thing, and uh, I'm not sure what is it, but it's a, it's a crazy-looking trophy. Trophy, But uh, Kirsten Rudgley, Rudgley from, uh, I think she's on one of the Golf Australia amateur programs. Um, well done to you. She missed a lot of the – a lot of the, the obviously I picked it up because it came through a bit of the Scottish news that I sort of follow, but a lot of the main sort of stream media people uh, left – Kirsten off, which I was disappointed with, but we won't leave her off. Uh, the acknowledgements of being one of the five Australians to win on a big uh, stage over the weekend. Now, my joke, usually this time of the year, Rocket, and I think we've already alluded to it in previous weeks, is uh, I move my circadian rhythm to European time at this time of the year. It sort of started many years ago watching the golf and the Tour de France. I've sort of dropped off the Tour de France a little bit now, but um, very much I've moved to what I now call uh, minus 10 hours EHT, European Herbie time. <laughs> I'm still recovering, but uh, we, What a win from the lad. I didn't watch the final nine holes, but I think I watched the most important nine holes, um, which was where he could have won or lost the... He could have lost the tournament. It was... It was pure grit, just pure grit. Like the, is it, which was the par five? Was it, I'm trying to think if it was nine, nine or eight or nine, which was the par, there was one of the par fives where it was like he's hooked it left, one of the many who hooked left early in that round. Yeah, I think that's the eight. It was so deep in the, was it eight? I think so. Yeah, deep, deep, deep in the trees, barely got it out to the rough and then, hit a great shot, which was unlucky to catch a bit of that fringe that would have kicked onto the green. Then he's hit a quite ordinary chip and he had just still like about 15, 15, 17 feet for par and just drained it in the middle. And it was just, again, it was another one. I think the two previous two holes, he's draining parts again to just save par. Well, there was one where he's, um, oh, which was the fourth, fifth, He's hooked it in the trees, chipped it out, hit it to like eight feet, drained it for par. Like he was just clutch, absolutely clutch. The commentators, the commentators, uh, kept you know saying and and 
rightly so. If you were watching, you know, you would expect him to be two or three over for that stretch, but he got over. You know, I think he was still one under oh, for one under one under for the front nine. Some of those balls, how they should, how they were found, was unbelievable. Yeah, because some of those you wish normally be like, oh, you're not going to find that one. So he's taking. Someone, a, sorry, go on, Mike. I was just going to say something. I heard a stat today where they were not sure if it was right. I actually didn't catch a final round at all, um, but he didn't miss a putt inside of twelve feet in the final round. Is that right? I would, I would say I, 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 I didn't see him miss one inside twenty. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. Even even right down to his final putt, you know, for uh, par on the last, um, you know, it was a tw- probably a 12-footer, 10-footer, and it just was middle straight in like a rabbit. It was great. Yeah, um, yeah look, I'm catching up with uh, Jamie and Herbie tomorrow morning, so I'll have more info, and if anyone wants to tune over at the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast sometime tomorrow afternoon by the time we put it all together, um, yeah, so Jamie and I are catching up with Herbie in the morning to just to digest uh, that. But, you know, I, I'm pretty safe in saying, and I know Herbie well enough and I've followed the journey well enough by now to, I guess, say that maybe in the past we might not have seen him behave the same way. Um, and He know, didn't lose his cool. Yeah. There was he, one. Like some, he hit some of the worst tee shots and normally he would have probably been just... Well, I remember the Scottish last year, right, in that third round, which was, was the worst conditions ever and you know I think it was like he got through about five or six holes and then it, you could see him it's like it's like it just broke him right and you could see he was just losing his cool and it probably cost him a few shots in the end he had a blistering Sunday to sort of you know get near the end to get, get close again but he was hitting it off the tee he was hitting it all over the shop and not once did he it's almost like he was like you know, he's obviously following a lot of what Jamie's doing because he's hit the shot and it's like he had no other control over that. He's been able to compartmentalise it, accept it. We'll call it the old, you know, stick, grab the tee, this is the bad shot, put the tee in the ground and leave it there and then can continue walking on. Like it was just a phenomenal effort. <clears throat> execution, 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 execution. So he talked about it in his final uh acceptance speech and press conference that at the Irish Open when it was at La Hinch, uh, he openly said he wasn't in the greatest uh, frame of mind for golf at that time. And I think uh, that continued on to the Scottish Open, which wasn't last year's one, but the year before. Um, and it continued on. And, and I just know that, you know, with a little bit of insight, that wasn't a great period of his golfing journey. It's pretty obvious. But I think what I'm going to say is last year's Scottish Open was probably one of the key turning points for him. You know, to have that 36-hole lead, to have a shocker in the third, and then to bounce back with, you know, six or seven or eight under on the, in the last round and, you know, get 200, you know, whatever it was, fourth place in the in the Rolex event was probably one of the, cattle, you know, moments that he can hold on to as um, something that was a bit of a turning point because he'd already had the win in the, in um, Dubai early in the year. Right. Yeah, but that was, and I think we saw a little bit of those shades, you know, last week in uh, in Ireland, which was which was great. And it wasn't, it was a class field. You know, had Rory McIlroy didn't perform, um, had a number of great players in it. And the course, I spoke to my Irish mate Jerry Finnegan uh, today, who's played a, a load of golf at um, Mount Juliet. I said I didn't really know the course beforehand. He said it's a beautiful course. He, like me, thinks that Irish Open should always be at a links course and showcase what real Irish golf's all about, but it wasn't. Um, but he said it's tight and, and it's 
sort of tricky, and that's sort of what it showed up on the weekend. Um, but yeah, and, well and going and the other thing as well, going wire to wire, like to sit on the lead every night when you go to bed. That that's not easy. It's not easy. Mike, have you have you got any numbers on wire to wire wins? Do we do we do we know who how many? What, how I hadn't looked. There hadn't been one this year on the Euro Tour, um, and the one before Herbie was last year was uh, John Caitlin and Valderrama, and he beat Rockets mate Martin Keimer. Um, oh, that's right. And that was the last one there. Uh, the PGA Tour has a much better stat database, so. They have uh, they've had a few, but I mean, back to 2015, you're only looking at it happening about 11 times. Funny is um, three of those 11s, Jason Day, Jason Day, wire to wire at the players, 2016 Arnold Palmer and the BMW uh, leash and the BMW as well the year after. Um, oh. So Aussie Aussie seems to like wire to wire, and for for majors wise, Brooks at 2019 at the PGA, and the last one on PGA Tour was. Uh, Pebble Beach, Nick Taylor in 2020. So it happens, but yeah, it's not certainly not regular. And and I mean, if you're looking at 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 things like uh, majors or any tournament where you've got something where there's no ties, you're leading the whole way through. It's probably even more rare. So it's um yeah, pretty impressive run. I can't imagine anything. Yeah, you know, playing golf difficult enough. Um, winning a golf tournament at a major level at a you know. Major tour level, can't imagine how difficult that is. But winning wire to wire, I can't think of too many things that would be more difficult. Maybe we can ask Kirby tomorrow, and he might not think the same about it. But I can't, I couldn't imagine anything more difficult than to go through the pressure of that wire to wire type win. Hmm. No, nah, it'd be weird. It's not only a uh, you, you're always knowing that you're trying to battle for it, but you get the added pressure of you know that you're battling, same as everyone else, but you know that everyone else is chasing just you. <laughs> that, that, that would be lumping a bit of pressure on. Well, I did it in a club championship. So. <laughs> I was going to say, Rocket, is there a Tassie, a Tassie tournament that uh, you had a bit of a wire-to-wire action? Obviously, I, oh, I did it in a, Yeah, I did it in a club championship. Uh, I've also failed in a few to uh, complete the, uh, the, the wire-to-wire it's, it's for, for every one. For every one success story, there's a few dead bodies. It it was interesting to see uh, the competitors around because um, Johannes Veerman that was playing alongside Herbie and, and I think by all accounts knows him pretty well and, and Nick Pugh used to caddy for Johannes Veerman. So Pugh is um, Lucas's caddy now and used to be with Johannes Veerman. Once again, another lovely young golfer with a beautiful golf swing, um, Texas A&M, I think, graduate, I think. Um you could see that he might have had a bit of a glint in his eye when Herbie started hitting it sideways, but right at the end there, and there was a couple of others, they just sort of fell away once they realised that he had maintained that lead and sort of then increased it. Uh, they fell away. The other guy who was playing phenomenal golf, uh, Laporta. Yep. Do you know anything about yeah, him? Yeah, he had six, yeah, six birdies in a row, and he was very How he didn't make the seventh one in a row was unbelievable. Chipped in twice, hold three 20-footers, Hold one eight footer, yep. and then his, his his chance for his seventh birdie in a row was like a forty foot putt and ran over the edge. I had um, never never seen him before. I didn't know much about him, but I was aghast at his chipping prowess. You know, he was downhill lie, long grass, um, 
chipping into the hole. One was downhill lie, long grass, bounced it through the long grass two times uh, up onto the fringe and just uh, dribbled it in. That was great. Do you know anything about the, the uh, Laporta man, uh, Mike? No, no. I'm, I, I This time of year, I literally don't watch that much much uh, Euro Tour at all until pretty much this week of the Scottish, just purely because it just kills me to have the late night up into the early morning for the PGA Tour. But no, I don't know much about him at all. It's where I come alive. <laughs> um, okay, looking forward to catching up with Herbie tomorrow. If you are tuning into this and you do want to uh, hear that chat, unfortunately you've got to listen to me again. Um, but uh, Jamie Glazier, myself and Lucas Herbert on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. All things going well is happening tomorrow morning. What's next? Who is the next winner? Louis Dobbs. Louis Dobbler. Congratulations to you, uh, Louis Dobbs. Fine young man. I've had the privilege of privilege, if I can get that word out, uh, of meeting Louis once, and um, very unassuming young man. Just was in my uh, premises and just wanted to have a hit of hit of some uh, golf in the simulators. And I said, "Who are you, young man?" He said, oh, "I'm Louis Dobbler." I said, "Oh, I know, I know, I know your name." I said, "You mates with Harley and Adam?" He said, "Yeah, I know those guys." He said. He said, I'm better than those guys. I said, no, I'm sure you are. I know he didn't actually say that. That was me. I said, you're better than those two guys that work for me. And he went, oh, no, not oh, – yeah, you are. I'll let you have it. Um, and then he went on to win the Australian Amateur uh, a week later. But um, just a, a very nice young man um, and unbelievable golfer. Mm, absolutely. I, I, I had the luxury for a long time of travelling for work before – COVID times and wherever I'd go, I'd take my sticks with me. And it was, I reckon it would have been six years ago. So he would have been quite a young man. I walked into the pro oh, shop of Brookwater. Yep. It would have been about 14. I walked into the pro shop of Brookwater and on the table in the pro shop, they had the results from the club match play championships. And I'll get it wrong, but let's just say it was 36 holes and the person's won 11 and 10. It was, it was, a, it was a brainy. I'm like, wow, this, that, that's a, reasonable result um and the guy's like yeah well the funniest part is the bloke who lost was you know let's say he's 40 years old and the kid who won's 14 i'm like oh gee whiz that's that's good going and so i put louis dobbler into my twitter account and i've been following him ever since and just to watch him get better and better and better has been extraordinary he's he's unbel- he's going to be a very very good golfer and he's he won something else not long ago yeah in the Bob Wood invitational yeah a month or so ago. So you've got the May, June, July leading up to the US amateur is like the, the premier, all the big um, amateur events. So winning the Dogwood, which I think was won by, uh, it was also won by, um, I'm trying to remember the South Australian guy's name from the 90s, <clears throat> Paul Guy. Oh, his name escapes me. So there's one, Australian has already won that previously. Um, and then the North-South, which I think would be the first Australian to have won that. So the North-South is a very, 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 very prestigious tournament in the US. Um, Andrew, Buck- Andrew Buckles. No. No? It was before that. Before that? I'm, I'm looking at the results. My memory's not that good. I've got to go back to like, it was like 96. Oh, I can't remember his name. I think it starts with G. Ah, damn. Um, but yeah, North and South played at Pinehurst has been going for 130 something years. I think it is. 
and some very, 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 very prestigious names uh, on that trophy. And he beat uh, a young fella who was a local. So he basically had the whole crowd against him um, in a Pinehurst. Um, so it's it's an it's one of those things where it's that's that's one of those events that it'd be very it's very good to have on the resume um, talking about in in history because North and South is a very it, it's a top top echelon event in, in the US we'll call it in the amateur stakes it's probably in that probably in that top ten sort of events you would yeah. play in the amateur world how far away is the US Am? Okay. Yeah, so that's usually middle back end of August. I don't know where it's being played this year. Not a bad, sure. not a bad cap uh, to win on Fourth uh, of July. Beating beating no. the local favourite on the Fourth of July. Or hmm. having two Aussies or five Aussies win on Independence Day. A mate messaged me and said, well, "Didn't two Aussies win on the same weekend on the men's tours not long ago?" I was like, that's right. And so I went and looked it up. There was Australia Day. Yeah. So we had uh, Herbie and Leash. Yep. So, yeah, we need more uh, national holidays. There you go. That's a a nice alignment. I'll remind Lucas of that. 26th of January 2020. And then, uh, yeah, right. Um, Well well done, Louis Dobler, and all power to you. I'm not sure if his mate Gaz, I think Gaz is is over at Wimbledon with Ash Barty, but uh, I think Gaz was over in the States with him for a little bit, maybe caddied for him at the... At the Dogwood, um, also another great uh, Brookwater golfer pro up there. Those two boys came in together and uh, they just drilled balls at a simulator screen for an hour and a half. And I think uh, Gaz was using, like, um, if you know your shafts, any of the shaft geeks out there, the Project X uh, handcrafted Hulk shaft, um, which I tried to use at one stage and did not work. So I think he was using an 80 gram, maybe 75 or 80 gram. X-Flex Hulk, it was, it's basically like a, a steel bar and swinging about 120 miles an hour was uh, young Gaz, Gaz Asparty's uh, partner. Just walked in with a, a Liverpool shirt on, massive Liverpool fan. Good day to you, Gaz, good fella. Um, what's next? What have we got next? So we've got two two more tournaments. Uh, we've got the European Tour. Let's keep talking about European Tour. Moves to one of my favourite courses of all time. Back to the Renaissance Cup Club wow, for the Scottish Open. Um, been wet over there. It's been very wet. It's going to be soft. I know. I know. I know it's on sand. It's a very sand, you know, linksy sand belt type of uh, environment, but it's still pretty soft. Princess Street in Edinburgh was flooded. Um, it's been raining, so anything could happen. That's okay. That's Lynx golf. Be, I can't wait to watch um, the next couple of weeks, especially a lot. Of the, the the field playing in Scotland is a whole lot better than the field playing back in the USA. So I think most of the world's golfing world will be uh, turning their attention over there. Who's What's the field looking like for uh, Scottish Open? Scottish Open. So Ram, Shoffley, Morikawa, McElroy, JT, Haddon, Fitzpatrick, Scheffler, Bobby Mack, Fleetwood, Weisberger, Brandon Grace, Seabears, Zalatoris, Corey Connors, Lucas Herbert. Guido, Westwood, Kaima, Wallace goes on and on and on and on and on. It's a it's a exceptional field. His Pults there again? I can say Pults on the list, but he, if he's not there, he won't be far away. Um, no, I don't think he's there. 
No. Min Woo Lee's there, was he, obviously. Um, Remember last year at the Scottish Open where Ian Poulter and uh, Graham McDowell were uh, staying together in one of the um, hotel-style rooms that is part of the Renaissance Club club, and uh, Poulter was chef for the week. And uh, <laughs> no. he kept he kept he kept video taking videos of Terry, his caddy, while Terry was sitting there, you know, having some sneaky chocolate at eleven o'clock, as you do. And Pulse is just sitting there, you know, video camming and putting it on his Instagram. So we'll miss that. <laughs> I'm sure he'll probably try and do it next week. Uh, Renaissance Club's a great club in East Lothian, uh, just next to basically you've got Muirfield, Renaissance Club, Archerfield, and then North Berwick a little bit further down the road. Tom Doak, of course, you've probably heard me talk about it before, uh, owned by the Savati family. Uh, they begged uh, Tom Doak to come over and do a Lynx course. You know, Tom was like, how do I do Lynx better than the guys that have been doing it, you know, built Lynx courses 100 years ago, but he finally did it and made a very, very, very nice uh, golf course indeed. So looking forward to seeing my favourite part of the world back on the TV again. Looking forward to seeing... Lucas, hopefully play well again. And uh, Wade Ormsby, good luck to you and all the other guys that he's playing. Um, suits, should suit Lucas, this course. It's wide. He can hit the ball under the wind, over the wind, around the wind. Um, so let's see. All right, Rocket, what's next? John, John Deere. <laughs> it's a long-standing tournament in uh, PGA Tour tournament golf. It's been one of the one of the tournaments that hasn't really changed too much um, in terms of its sponsorship location over many many years, uh, going back to where Mike, you got your flag. We've talked about him before, the, the Armadale the Armadale ambassador, uh, Mark Hensby. Tamworth, no, the Tamworth Tearaway, not Armadale, Tamworth Tearaway. Um, Mark Hensby, have you got your flag there? I do. I do. I have my flag. I have it from um, – I got into a period there where any time an Aussie won, I'd find a flag from that tournament and get him to sign it, and that was one of the ones. And I remember I remember where I got him to sign it because it was at uh, the Aussie Open at Moona Links and uh, got chatting away to Mark for a, a little bit and he signed the flag and been sitting there ever since doing a whole lot of nothing in my house. How many other flags have you got? I've got a few flags uh, probably uh, now because I had so many here and there that I concentrate on more and just get in the guys that have won the majors. So there's a Jeff Ogilvy flag from Wingfoot signed. I've got a Jay Day flag, PGA signed. Got a um, Adam Scott Masters flag signed. And then the two that are the ones that I love the most, uh, I was at the Open when Spieth won, so at Birkdale. So I've got one of those and I've got Spieth to sign it for me up at the Australian when he was here. And I got a Tiger Woods flag from 2019 because I was at the Masters 2019, so I got one of those. So they're the they're the two that are probably the ones that I will be um, holding on to for a long time. How do you go about securing these autographs? You stand around like a 12 year old child and <laughs> and wait and wait for someone. No, look, I think my, the say for Jordan Spieth. I was up the – I reckon it was a pro-am. Did you play with Minwoo at the Australian in the Aussie Open? Yeah. So I reckon it was that uh, day. I, I, let me think about it. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> I reckon it was that day. Um, yeah, just just followed him through his practice round. And um, once he walked off, just said – as he was sort of coming off the course, he said, do you mind if I get you to sign? He said, no problems at all. And stood there for 20 seconds and signs away and that's it. 
was wasn't wasn't too tough. I think it's harder, like for the biggest names in the world that come down here, they kind of expect to mm. have people asking them to sign stuff here and there. The reason why I ask because you know we I just knew that you had your flag there for, with uh, John Deere and Mark Hensby sign, signing it, and we talked about Mark before, but um. You know, you mentioned line up like a twelve-year-old kid at the two thousand sixteen Open, which is the only time I've been to a big major tournament outside of Australia. I had the occasion to be standing just next to the players' race where they walked up over to the first tee, and I, I witnessed the behaviour of an official autograph hunter. You know, like a professional autograph grabber, and that's exactly what he did. Mm. He had his he stood back there with his big bag of flags. Yep. Yep. And, um, you know, had players picked out and he would give the flag to his kid and say, right, you go down there because he's coming out next and, and, and he would make the kid go there and yeah, beg, yeah. beg for the autograph. It's uh, Look, it's tough because I mean, it's something that I've always liked since I was a kid. I just like, like I've got Western Bulldogs signed footy jumpers and other bits and pieces. They're just things that I just like. I don't know why. Um, and it's weird because it's like I, I waited for Tiger to sign the Masters flag that I bought at the Masters. So I worked next to Crown. Every day the, the President's Cup team would come through and go upstairs and I just sat in the foyer and had a, had a beer and waited around and once they all came through, I, all the um, Americans got off the bus and I walked over and said, hey, excuse me, Tiger, anyway, and he just sort of said, no, nah, I'm, I'm off I'm off the clock. So I was like, cool, but, you know, not going not gonna to bother him. And that was it. Said, you know, good luck to a few of the players and, and went on my way, but – the people that sort of pester them and get up in their faces or like they're, they're proper, that they've got tens of thousands of things ready to sign and it's just going straight on eBay. So like, you know, you can understand like so if Tiger would sign something, it's a thousand dollars. That's, that's worth a thousand dollars to anybody for, to sell straight away. Mm. No, I wasn't saying you were doing like what the professional no, guy no, was, no, but no, I was no. just, I, I just remember sitting back observing the, this behaviour and it was, I, I sat there and watched it because it was the fourth day and I was pretty tired and I thought this is entertainment for me, but just the byplay between the kid and the father working together and it was like the, yeah. it was like the kid was doing his, his work for his dad and he was all excited yeah. to do the work for his dad. I don't think he really had the full picture of what was going on, but he was out there. Um, yep. No, no, they're, and they're everywhere and look, Certain tournaments now they, they don't they don't want you doing that. Like obviously, if you want to, if you wanted to go to a even if you if your kids wanted to get something signed by somebody, places like the Masters, they've got the tiny little pen where you can stand on the side of the driving range and get something signed, and that's it. If they don't go through there, and you get if you ask someone on on course for an autograph, you'd be asked to leave. Like they don't they don't want you bothering anybody. So no. um, yeah, just the way it is. All right, Rocket. What do we know about the John Deere? What do we think? Where's it at? Where's it played? What do you think about the course? TPC Deer Run. It's a pretty decent event. You know, we've had some. Um, there haven't been many runaway winners there. It's usually a pretty sort of tight bent that'll produce a playoff or two. Bit of Jordan Spieth magic at more than once. Um, I think from memory, isn't that the one where he's holding the bunker shot and he's done the, the chest bump with um uh, with with uh, Mike. Yeah, yeah, that that could be right. He definitely he had his first win. First there. win, there. yeah, yeah. Yep. But I think he he held the bunker. That was against Daniel Berger, I think it was. Yep. Held the bunker shot, um, and done the big chest. I think that's, that's still a great video. It is still a great video. <laughs> <laughs> still a great video. So it's just a it's a good easy, like a good easy listening event to, to lead into to the open. Yeah. And that's where it it's kind of always gets a little bit um, stuck because like we talked about how many people were over in Europe 
not many hang around and then want to jump on a plane and shoot over if if there was something if, if for instance this had rain delays and there was a monday finish be nothing worse than trying to get on a flight yeah. and shoot over it, so it'll be the people that are playing in this event either don't have a start in the open and they're trying to get it or they're just trying to make some money the ones that are actually playing in the open they're already over there yeah. and especially and especially with everything that's going on at the moment, they're trying to make sure that they avoid every possible way of being contaminated and missing the open. Like, you know, Ian Poulter, I think he's, he's, cause he's from England. So he's going to, I think he's going to do a, a good month or so over there. Um, just so he would avoid any problems. He went on a chartered flight with a number of other players that left from Detroit and his family flew commercial because if one person on that flight, or two, I think it was if you think his Instagram video said if two people on that flight were positive, he would basically have to quarantine for fourteen days, and he'd miss the open. Yeah, no, it's um, it's certainly not the right lead up. When I'm looking at the, the people that are playing, Daniel Berg is the only one who I think is remotely a chance out putting Cam Davis to one side, his first alternate, he's the only person that stayed over to play that would be jumping yeah. on a flight and heading straight over. Well, the good thing is that the, the John Deere, to, they've done a really good thing to win, to make sure that they still get a decent field because they have a anyone who's qualifying or playing uh, in the open, they've got a chartered flight that leaves directly from there and flies straight over to wherever the open is. Yep. So that's a, that's a nice little carrot for the players to come and play in their event. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, it's not a great feel, but you could could you imagine if they didn't have that, you'd you'd have nobody, especially no, uh, no one. Like we said before, the the two um, South Koreans that are Berger there probably wouldn't play. No, nah, he wouldn't. There's no way. Yeah, he's definitely. probably going. Well, I'll go play, and I'll just grab the chartered flight. It's not going to cost me anything. No. <laughs> okay, who wins? Who wins the John Deere from the uh, available players that are in the field, gents? Um. I'll have a look. I'll look for me. It's a tricky week. It'll be not a week where I'll be spending any exorbitant amounts of money. Um, someone like Brian Harmon, Russell Henley, Kevin Strillman, someone that's going to be a, a, a seasoned def- player. Who's middle defending? Of the round. Defending is uh, Fratelli, but that was two years ago. So mm. I don't even know if he's playing. Um, there's a, there's a few there from oh, – we can read the market out for you. Um, so Berger, Harmon, Henley, Sung Jaim, Strelman, Cam Davis, Siwoo Kim, Alex Noren, Seamus Power, Aaron Wise. A little bit of a different list to the Scottish Open that I just read out a minute ago. So, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. When you've got Russell Henley, it's like <laughs> your second favourite. Yeah. Holy smokes. I'm going to um, go Alex Noren. Yep. Finished well last week. Would he have eight under in the final round? I think mm-hmm. last week. Yeah. So, all right, yeah. he's he's on the list. He'd be desperate to to want to play at the Open, so he's got a fair uh, fair incentive. I'll go with uh, I'll go with Harmon. That's mm. my one rocket. What are you thinking? Oh, I'm looking at Strelman because he's been in really good form for the last month. Yep, he has. And, and the ones that are coming up behind him are not. It's not a lot of value there. No, it's such, it's such a such let's a go, flat let's market. Let's go on a limb. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Rocket looseness without the alcohol, back to back. 
Cam Davis. Ooh. Love okay. it. Love it. it. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very light week. I will. Um, for me, the only the only couple of bets I look at this week will be if I look at Scotland and see anyone that I think might go well in Scotland. I'll bet them for the Open this week. So someone like Morikawa, who is probably about 30 to 1 to win the, the Open, if I don't bet him now and he wins Scotland, he might be 20 to 1 next week or 25 to 1. So do the things I'll see that Will Zalatoris is sixth in the race to Dubai and hasn't played a European Tour event. And if he, I'm just wondering <laughs> if, he, if, he, if he wins in Scotland, he still doesn't get to go to the FedEx playoffs. No, but if he wins the. What if he's he wins the Open? If he wins the Open. Surely that that qualifies him. Yes, they get him exemptions. No, he actually no, yeah. he has he actually has to win. Yeah, he has to win a tournament. Yeah, because that, and that, that classifies that him, yeah because that, that gives him an automatic um uh, tour tour card, card. Yeah. So how's how funny is this, right? You got Cameron Young, who's won who 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 got the elevated up on the, onto the tour with the three win rule from the web dot com, and yet so he's eligible for the FedEx Cup playoffs. And Will Zalatoris is inside, like the top twenty-five in the world, and he doesn't have an official tour card anywhere. That's unbelievable. <laughs> right. Surely there has to be some sort of new rule brought into place that you know that will be forever known as the Zalatoris rule. If you move, <laughs> if you move into the top twenty-five or top thirty at some point in the OWGR in the year, that you get some level of elevation and you. Points accrual gets backdated yeah. to July one. It, it's like getting a pay it just, rise. It just po- it just points out the um, the Sith Lords of Ponte de Vedra. Just they do like to suppress the young Jedi's. Yeah, well, as much he, as they can. If he went back to back to the secondary tour and wins three times, he gets on. But if, well, he's but, he's actually he's actually still. I think the only what he's he's the strange thing. I think the. He's gonna get get his, He's gonna be eligible to get his card twice. So I think he's still in the top ten on the corn ferry. <laughs> it's nuts. So he's in the top ten in the corn ferry. He's twenty five in the world official golf rankings, and he's up there. Not, a, the not an official PGA Tour member that can fi- play in the FedEx Cup um, points. And where so is he? It? Actually, has to win. He has. I think he has to win. He's only got like a couple more events. I think there's the Open, and Maybe one or two more after that before it, it's um, the cutoff kicks off. Yeah. And where is he on the race to Dubai? Sixth. Sixth. So he could. He's actually eligible to play in the race to Dubai. Mm. Well, I can uh, see. I can see why they have the American results. You know, and those co-sanctioned things accrue points for the race to Dubai because it you know, usually boosts the field towards. You know, the final couple of uh, legs of that, especially in the final uh, tour championships or their Coleman version. played in the in the final event. Yeah, and Reed, you know, Reed was leading the race yep. to Dubai last year for forever and turned up for the last thing. Um so you can see why. Do you know but, Patrick Reed is a life member of the European tour? Well, it's happened several times, so exactly right. Um He's a life member of the European tour. Hmm. Iger is not. Another crazy thing that happens in the world of golf related to results that uh, just sometimes don't make sense. Um, Scottish Open, who's winning that? I'm going to go with um, Xander. Oh, just married too. Yeah. Just wants to just honeymoon and get away from the wife and win a tournament. That's what I'll go with. (laughs) An American on the the Tom Doak links of uh, East Lothian. Yep. 
I think that yeah, I think once upon a time we used to think of him coming over and having no idea, but I, I, I yeah, I think he Sanders is a different cat. Yeah, different, different, good game. Okay. Um, I'll get a call. I'm going, Bobby. Bobby, the hometown hero. Yeah, that's a surprise. That's as much a surprise as me going off a call. <laughs> well, I've I've doubled up top lefty, top Scott, and winner. Made my job <laughs> easier. Actually, do you know what's really funny is you think Phil's about to play the match this week, that whatever event in the middle of nowhere, and then then he's going to go and jump on a plane to go over and play the Open. Yeah. So it's on. They'd be teeing off our time. Must be tomorrow morning early, I'd guess. So what's that? Tuesday their time. Tuesday night. Depending on the time, so you wouldn't think he's going to get on a flight straight away, but he could. He's still not going to get back to Wednesday. I reckon he will. Zero yeah. prep. Yeah. He'll go in there, probably start playing, shooting, having some practice rounds Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, so Phil's playing the Scottish Open. No, 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 no. no, no the no. Open Open, right. Yeah. No, he's playing yeah. for lots of money. So he's playing uh, Capital One's the match. Yeah. Yeah. But when, so that starts when? Tomorrow? Tomorrow morning, our time, yeah. And how many, day, how, how many days does that go for? It's one day. One day. Yeah, yeah. it's nothing. So he's just going to do one day with his mate Bryson and, um, and then take off to England and, play and get warmed up. No problems. Yeah. And they've already got all. I'll cannot wait to. Hopefully, there's some caddy jokes. Yeah, (laughs) there has to be. Phil has to go. Has to be laying into him on that. Has to. He has to. Where where can anyone see uh, the match? Is it available anywhere? Do you have to? I I, I did a bit of hunting today to try and find it, but no, I I don't think it's on. Certainly not on golf TV. Back your eyelids. Yeah, (laughs) I think your best chance is to. Have a look on Twitter and see if someone's streaming it, I think, or you might catch a replay down the line. But I couldn't see it on Foxtel, Golf TV, anywhere. It's one of those pay-per-view things in the States and yep. we don't have it. So, Is it going like to be like a Bryson piss take fest? Like a, I hope so. Like a, is is <laughs> ev- everyone going to be having a di- dip at Bryson? Even like, who's, who's it, Tom Brady and who else? So it's Tom Brady, Phil Mickelson. Yeah. Yep. And um, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Um, and uh, all the bad man, and Bryson, and like I'm, as you know, I'm a massive NFL fan. Aaron Rodgers would be absolutely gutted that he's playing with Bryson because <laughs> Bryson is not the type of person that Aaron Rodgers takes kindly to. Yeah, right. No, it's a. Uh... I hope they, I hope, like you said, Rocket, I hope they really get into him. But, you know, in a nice, friendly bit of banter, yeah. that will be the Tim. best part about it. Tim. If someone's <laughs> not calling out Tim, or if someone in the crowd isn't calling out something Brooksy, please. Oh, surely. Oh, surely. Please. Surely I have to. Did, do, do we know what happened there? Why, why did they, um, why was the you know, mid-tournament sacking? Sacking? Or department, yeah, Tim, no, Tim Sack, bro. Yeah, well, exactly. So, so here's the thing: is that um, Bryson's gone already gone through a few caddies. Tim, this is stint number two for Tim, and he's a pretty well-respected looper on tour. He broke up with Bryson back in 2017, I think it was, and he went like a year or so. And Bryson was pleading, pleading with him to come back. So much so that Tim got to basically create his own terms. So a lot of the top caddies can 
get a base salary, like a, you know, we'll call it their base wage, then all the other stuff is on top. Um, he negotiated double what we'll call it the normal rate would be for someone who's in that top 15, top 10 caddy echelon. So he's first and foremost the highest paid caddy from a base salary on top. Then on top of that, Boston in the last two years has probably just had just a blinder. You think about how many tournaments he's won. So mm. he's got his 10% cut on wins, 5% on other events, or it might be seven on a top 10 and stuff like that. He's cashed in, right? So you think about it, he's, he's, he's made a lot of bank on Bryson, and Bryson's still going to probably bank a lot in the next two years, and he still doesn't want to hang around with the dude. Mm. Like, how many... But the thing is, though, you've got to understand, you know, there's only so much math. You know, he's, he probably lost Bryson's protractor once or twice. You know, you can only spritz the ball so many times. Yeah. And, and you think about how many times he's, you know, had to get up on an early early freaking tee time and then play 18, Bryson's 18, six hours. So it's just slow to start with. And then all you want to do is, like, grab the bag and take it back to wherever you are and, go and get some rest and hang out with your mates. No, let's go sit on the range for 17 hours and then tell the media that I didn't fix it. I, I, I came up with a solution in my dreams. <laughs> like, like really, that would just, how he lasted this long is impressive. Yeah. But no, that would break anyone. No, that, and that, that was definitely it. There's, there's two, so that's the main reason has to be that he just has had enough. The only other interesting thing that I read, in an article yesterday was uh, Tim had, um, had talked to someone the week before and, and he's setting up a, a charter buses or a, a luxury buses from the airport to Bandon because he used to carry Bandon. Is that right? And basically so. he's, he's basically set up these two super duper luxe buses as oh, his so business. He's setting up a little business. And he set up this business and he's like, I just want to pay for that. I want to pay for my daughter's wedding. And then I'm, I'm done. And like you said, Rocket, sitting on the range, spritzing balls at 8 p.m. He'll probably go back to Bandon and just do whatever. And print money for all of us people that once we can get there, we'll be getting luxury buses out from the airport. So, yeah, exactly. And you think there's more and more people going to Bandon. You've got Sheep Ranch open. Hmm. As soon as the um, rest of the world sort of opens back up, people are just going to be flying in their selfies on the luxury buses. I'll be there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, an, an appropriate appropriate time appropriate time to announce. You know, if you do want to uh, join any of them, the unannounced, uh, but uh, I'm sure forthcoming at some stage, uh, my love of golf, uh, global golf tours. Uh, I think Barnbugle's already been discussed. You know, if you want to get on the on the early registration list, just send us an email, Ross at myloveofgolf dot com. Uh, if you want to get on the Bandon Dunes trip, uh, meet Tim in the luxury bus, send an email. And if you want to go to the Scotland, uh, the Lynx Golf of Scotland trip, just send us an email. We'll put you on the list of people who might want to join us. So, so how long would how long will we spend in Bandon, Mike? A week? Oh, easy. A week there, and then um, over to Pinehurst for another week. That's that sounds like a good two week holiday. Have you been to? Have you been to? Have you been to? Have you been to Bandon, Mike? I haven't been to Bandon. Doc and I talked about it uh, on the Masters trip, but. It just was not enough time. So we, we played around in LA and Rusty Cannon and a few others before we went over to the Masters and played there, Carmeadow and a few others. It's not so easy to get to. It's a bit of a trek, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. it's – once you so you can get into some sort of regional-ish airports, but, yeah, you, you need to fly into 
LAX and then onto somewhere else and to maybe a regional or do a substantial sort of drive out to the coast. Mm. And how, how many courses there now? Oh, yeah, so Sheep Branch is open now, yeah. And it's uh, Mike Kaiser? Is he owner yep. at all? Yeah. 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 Mm. So if anyone wants to see the – so go to the No Laying Up um, Tourist Source Season 5, which they do Portland. So they do the state of Oregon, and um, that includes obviously the band and stuff and some of the things because they get interview um, – um, um, David, um, yeah, oh, what's his name? Clay Kid, yeah, I think that's it. David Clay Kid, uh, and then, um, interview Mike Kaiser, um, and his son. Mike Kaiser, go and watch any interview that's been done with Mike Kaiser. It's just like it's funny. I can't remember someone, I think they referred to him as the Willy Wonka of golf. <laughs> that's good. I like that. Yeah, yeah, that was a great. It was a great series. It's, I uh, you know that they do the the no laying up guys do the the vision super well, and then standing and and looking at Sheep Branch and and the drone they had up, it just looks it looks unbelievable. Trails, I can't you know I, hmm. I think about trails as well going in through the you know you got the 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 normal sort of open links land and then going into that into the heathland into that forest that looks yeah. awesome. Yeah, then you got the preserve the the short course. Um, then you got the is the what they call the the putty. old, Mac, old McDonald. Oh, no, no. Uh, this here, this is there's old Mac, which was yeah. the Doak one after Pacific yeah. Dunes. Um, actually, Doak's just put out a book on Pacific Dunes. Um, then they call their they've got an eighteen hole putting thing there somewhere as well. I think they've just built that. Yeah, um, no, nah. sounds like punch a bowl. Or have I got the wrong course? No, my bad. There's, there's certainly worse ways to spend a week. I don't, I don't yeah, know. All their cabins there and you just stay on site and it's be just. Yeah. Well, let's uh, make a plan. Let's make a, a plan week. for that. Let's make a plan for that uh, at some stage. I'm, I'm vaccinated, so I'm ready to go when uh, when America's ready to have me. But uh, <laughs> I think Australia's. The Pinehurst after that. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Then, then there's the other tourist source one with the where they go through the Carolinas, right? Because they not only play Pinehurst, then it's like Southern Pines, Mid Pines, Pine Needles, like oh, <laughs> oh, oh, so good. It's so good. Well, gents, on that note, it's been another hour of our finest uh, jibber jabber about the tour and uh, some of the ways that we see it, think it, and uh, want it to be. Thanks for your tips. That's uh, Mike. You can uh, gather those up and uh, collate those and, and send those out. And uh, if you are following any of the uh, tips or suggestions, um, thanks for your feedback. Thanks for your feedback on uh, Mike's introduction. Thanks for the um, the Phil from Sydney. Um, loved the last week, and we, we appreciate his feedback. Of course, um, of course, uh, the Oz Open at. Uh, the Australian is part of the contractual agreements with uh, golf in Australia, so we know that it's going to be up there for a bit and then it's going to come back down here and it's going to go back up there and all that sort of thing, but it didn't stop us waxing on last week that we think that it uh, should have been, could have been somewhere more interesting, but of course that's not going to happen. It's uh, all in the big dollars part of the world of golf, but um, anyway, thanks for your feedback. And uh, any other feedback, let us know. Gents, pleasure as always. We'll see you next week. I'm just going to be cooking 
bacon in no shirt. Send us a picture of that. That's going straight out. Or don't. <laughs> we've been at we've been at a big four big four caravan park. I'll, I'll take it. I'll do it tomorrow. Okay. In honour of Bryson and Tim. <laughs> Very good. We'll see you next week.